Pulp MX Network production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at btosports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. This is the Atlanta 2 wrap-up. That's right. There was two Atlantas, and we're going to wrap them up. BTOsports.com, the nation's leading retailer for anything you need for your biker body. Proud sponsors of the BTO Sports KTM team, of course, with Shorty and Brayton. By the way, Brayton's back on the bike. He should be uh, racing within a couple weeks, I would think. And uh, use the code PULPMX to save yourself money when you're checking out on OEM parts or... Fox stuff or Fly stuff or uh, Oakley stuff or X-Brand stuff, anything you got, they got it. Uh, use code PulpMX to save yourself money uh, at BTOsports.com. And, of course, Foxhead. Foxhead.com. Visit your local authorized Fox dealer to pick some of that stuff up. All-new V3 helmet, full line of 2015 stuff out now. What about that vintage stuff? We'll touch on that in the podcast. That's available right now. Global innovation leader for motocross race rare, continuing the relentless pursuit to innovate and elevate. Foxhead.com. Uh, thanks to uh, those guys and thanks to BTO for coming on board. I know you guys always like the three-way, and who doesn't? But you know what's better than a three-way? A four-way. That's right. we got a four-way today on the podcast. Of course, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line, my boss, RacerX Online Editor, the Jason Wygant. Yeah. Also on the line, two-time German Supercross champion, two-time Montreal Supercross champion, privateer hero forever, uh, the man Art Ekman coined the Iron Man of Supercross, Jason Thomas. That's me, or it was me, that, kind of me. I, I don't know if I'm still Iron Man. I'm more like some sort of aluminum foil <laughs> man. <now. laughs> Just run with it. Also yeah, on the line, uh, he's the, the host, uh, co-host host of the original and still best internet motocross radio show. And uh, a longtime Atlanta resident, and who better to have on the show? One of our favorite guys, David Iser. What's up, Iser? I just want to say I, I can't thank you guys for having me on this four-way. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I refuse to thank you. <laughs> right. Don't thank us. Why can't you? I don't understand. You just can't. You can't. I, I understand. There's one thing about the four-way, guys. You never cross the swords. You ne- never touch swords. You'll right. cross the beams. Iser, aren't we supposed to be feuding? Are you allowed? Am I allowed to have you on this show? I don't even know. I think we're feuding. Yeah, uh. It was funny. I was looking when we were down in the pits, the Pro Circuit pits, and Mitch Payton saw us in the same area. I thought, I guess he thought it was going to be a full-on throwdown, and, he, and people just surprised that we we literally do not fight. Yeah, we get along. It's pretty funny, funny stuff. But um, look, uh, let me start with you, Iser, right okay. off the bat. Okay, so two Atlantas, first time ever. Did it work? It. This is. A touchy subject for me. I'm, I'm hoping that you're not poking the bear because I have a lot of southeast pride, just like you try to claim everybody that lands in Canada as mm-hmm. a motocross rider for for Canada. Absolutely. And, and you try to claim citizenships like you know, like some pirate. Atlantis is home to me. I'm very prideful about this. I did not like uh, the turnout of the race. I think weather had something to do with it. The back-to-back races, NASCAR, things like that. But as an overall, uh, you know, back-to-back weekend, I think I think it was a, a success. Good racing. I'm shocked 
uh, at the attendance at both rounds. Now, yeah, granite weather, and I understand that Feld honored some tickets from the first week that people couldn't make it. Good job by those guys. Uh-huh. Um, but Weege, I was, I mean, we'll probably do it again, but I understand the NASCAR attendance was bad too. I mean. Yeah, that was exceptionally bad uh, uh, for them. But uh, I'm, I'm surprised too. Like I, I said before, I think on this show that, and Iser, I'm sure, would agree, you cannot uh, – it's not possible to overestimate the impact that weather makes. Like, it wasn't a blizzard. It wasn't horrible. The people in the southeast, if it's bad, they're done. They're not going anywhere. It's hard to imagine what an impact uh, that really made, but I think it was legit. But still, I didn't expect it to be like this. I think it was cool. I think it was fun to have it. I think the industry liked going there back-to-back and hanging out east for a week. But I do feel like if it keeps up like this, they do it again next year and the crowds are like this, I almost feel like the Atlanta buzz might go away because Watch that we talk about for 51 weeks a year. You know what I mean? Like that, oh, when we get to Atlanta, we get 70,000. Kind of loses the magic a little bit this way. Oh, I, I, I mean, yeah, I feel like it lost a lot of its buzz. JT, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, I think for sure it did lose some of that. <clears throat> but, you know, what, all that really matters is, is Feld's bottom line, and that will dictate whether they continue to do it and – uh, I don't know how much money they saved by getting the stadium and not having to move dirt and all that kind of stuff. So they're going to know if it worked or not. For us, you know, I, I think it was okay. I have no problem with it, but it's really going to matter if they made any money or not. What does the dome hold, Iser? 70? Yeah, 70 plus. Okay, so they said 50 the first week, which was ridiculous. There's no way. Do you think there was more people there or less people the second week? I thought it was about about the same. I think the first week to me really – Shocked me more than the second week. I thought the second week was going to suffer proportionately. But everybody that was hitting me up for, for everything were all coming to the first race. It's kind of like they wanted to get that, that first race out of the way. So the second week, I totally expected a, a drop-off NASCAR race, you know, uh, not even included in that. Uh, but the first, the first weekend to me was a, was a huge disappointment. And Atlanta's still reeling. Last year, we had that big ice storm that paralyzed the city for four days. Mm-hmm. And people, like Weege was saying, that they just – you know, you can't overestimate how many people from out of state or within a driving days that, that, that did not come. Uh, looking at the press release from this weekend, 53,000 um, was at this pass race, and I think they said 50 was at the one before. So, again, these numbers are hugely inflated. But Feld is saying that they had more people the second week, which, JT, I think there was probably more people. Lot, you know. I thought it was pretty close, yeah. like, like David said. I, I kind of looked around. And even in the main of, during the main events when everyone's in their seats, it certainly looked better. Um, but I think we're just used to how Atlanta looks. Right. And it looks like a football game normally. I mean, it was just yeah. full. So it was a little bit of a letdown from that side. But, uh, yeah, I really thought that both weekends were kind of the same deal. We I did, did think no. that it was pretty smart uh, Feld to do the retro race at the second one just to try to get some kind of interest for people mm-hmm. to want to come out and check all that stuff out. I felt like the I felt like in the past you had to sneak in between trucks to oh, yeah. walk through the pits. You had to find like all these clever routes to get from one end of the pits to the other. And I didn't feel like you had to do that either weekend. And that that to me was a major reason why there was so le- so few people there. The the pits just were not packed like in the past. Yeah, I tried to uh I tried to relay that to cuz I had a, a few people uh there with me on my VIP program that had never been to Atlanta before. Mm-hmm. 
and I was just trying to kind of show them, like, see all this area where we can walk? <laughs> that would not be possible normal. No. Like, this is this is a, a huge convenience for us right now to even be able to get to places because yeah. this would just be a madhouse, typical Atlanta. Weed, you think we see two Atlantas next year too, right? Like, you, they're not – this is, in your opinion, you think they'll they'll keep doing this? Yeah, I think so because, as JT said, it's really about their bottom line. And you're not going to gain – even if it wasn't really 50, let's say it was really 40 and 40, you're not going to get much bigger than that if you went somewhere else for the second weekend. Mm-hmm. And you're certainly going to spend a lot more money to do it. It's almost when you get anywhere else, so why bother having it in another building? Right. Uh, and and why wouldn't you try back-to-back Atlantis? I mean, that makes the absolute most sense on paper um, to, to give it a shot. And, and Jacksonville or Charlotte or Orlando, you're not, like we said, you're not going to pack it out above and beyond that. So why would you consider moving it just, just, just to move it? But I think the bottom line, Iser, don't get mad. Bottom line is a failure, in a sense. In a sense, it was a failure. The Atlanta Buzz crowd was not there for either event. And if you're looking to capture that, now granted, JT's point about the bottom line, and I get all that, and we'll probably see it again, and all that. Bottom line, though, neither race captured, quote-unquote, Atlanta feel. And in a way, so it's a way. In a way, it was a mistake or a failure. Don't get mad, Isaac. So you're just trying to pick a fight. Is all you're trying to do. Well, do you agree with me or no? I, I do not, and and uh, I believe okay. that the, the the people I've spoken to, the the fans that you know, I've been traced with you around. I mean, the, the buzz was there. This is not the James Stewart, Ricky Carmichael, Chad Reed epic battles that people would come out and you know the blood sport of of those great races. It wasn't that, but the racing was awesome. Uh, I thought both both uh, rounds had some really good racing, and I think the, dilute, the diluting it by two rounds, I mean, that's that's what's happened here. I think if you had all those people in one stadium, we're not even having, having this. Discussion. Well, of course. No, and that's, that's, my, that's my point. I just think yes. that I think they hurt, they hurt the Atlanta buzz, the hype, you know? Well, I think if, if you look at, too, for Anaheim's, there's three Anaheim's. That stadium only holds 45,000. So regardless of the number, if it's inflated or not, it wasn't too far off of 45. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they got more than that twice back to back weekends. So yeah, they yeah. can they do the Anaheim thing week you know year after year after year. So it really, well, can't be considered that much of a failure. I just wonder though if it's like say your wife makes your favorite dish once a year. Mm, let's say deep dish pizza because who doesn't like that? You know she makes deep dish pizza once a year and you just can't wait and you love it and it's so delicious and it's it's fantastic. But then she starts making deep dish pizza once a week. You're just over it. It's not a special anymore. Part of what made Atlanta so great was because it was so special with buzz and crowd and hype and that's all. It was more just like a regular Supercross now, and I always felt like Atlanta was stood out above and I would beyond. Love to see the demographic. I'm, sure their wasn't, I'm sure their intention wasn't a lateral move of, ah, the second one will be just as good as any other place we can go to. For sure, I'm sure the thoughts were, we'll have two races yeah. that are better than any other Thank race. You. That's what Not I'm saying. two that are just as good as anything else. That's what I'm saying, and in that sense. But, yeah. so. but you're saying that, but you don't, I would assume that they had to have saved some money. Well, yeah, deal. yeah, no, no, that, that's, JT, your point. Is, no, it worked from that perspective for sure. And by yep. the way, the teams, they didn't have to even turn those semis on. Yeah. They got two I, races without spending a dime in gas. Right. I'm sure they're all for it, too. All right, let's, uh, let's move on, but who wants some pizza? Um. Iser. Well, the ingredients oh. this year, you have to count the ingredients. Iser named a couple of riders who are no longer racing. I think the crowd has been down at every event this year except Dallas. You think? Yeah. I guess maybe, yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I think we talked about this right after Anaheim won. I think the Villapoto-Stewart deal, 
I think it's had an impact. So it makes it even harder to judge these things. Iser, what... Live TV, guys, that is the elephant in the room. It is no, hard. No, it is it's... not. Oh, it that. is. You people are crazy. Do you know how many people t- told me that within 30 minutes of that, like, I'm not going to risk the weather and parking. I'm just going to watch it live on TV. Okay, I'm going to destroy that argument right now. I oh, heard that over and over. Great. No, I just last gonna... year, every race is live on TV also. Last year was the largest total attendance in the history of Supercross. I, that is by a ridiculous argument. By, by the, the, I mean, that's the thing is, is, you know, the numbers game, everybody does it. Do, do, do you say, you know, that those are legit and, and completely objective numbers, or is that something that, that the, everybody uses for the advertisers and everything else? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you that... Well, uh, if they all of a sudden lied in 2014, why were they telling the truth in 2013? I mean, what you can was, see what it, was like, the ratio? What was every event grows a tiny little bit each year, and they just kept that same upward trajectory. Like races like Toronto, which used to be bad, have gotten a lot better, and the other ones stayed about the same. I think the numbers... Maybe all the numbers are inflated, but I don't think all of a sudden last year they started inflating them to a different degree than they ever did. The point is, live TV has been creeping in, you know, multiple rounds, then all the rounds. It's been creeping in for about five years now, and it has never made an impact in the attendance. So all of a sudden, why this year would be the year where all of a sudden it killed the crowd makes no sense to me. I am not, I am, I'm not connecting one to the other. I'm saying that that does make a difference when it comes, especially if there's back-to-back weekends. If, you, if you're going to say, hey, I'll go to one and not the other, I mean, things like that. I'm saying that a percentage of people that would have normally gone to a race are sitting home watching it live and not having to wait for a, a day or two days of delay that, uh, that we always have to wait through. It, never, it hasn't mattered yet. I don't know why all of a sudden that started this year. I blame this on you anyway, Jason. You just love to, to wow. be no. the negative Nancy in the room, and you just no. always want – Iser, look at the dark side of things. Iser, Iser, if if TV gets talked about, I was about, a positive. I'm saying live TV's good. Yeah, because you know why? You're a TV guy, and you don't want to lose your job. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Stop going to the building, people. Right. Watch on TV. Right. Stay home. Right, right. Hey, Iser, do you feel like maybe the one of the reasons the event was missing out was we just didn't get an RC parade lap? Do you feel like that was? You know, I know you're a big RC guy. Yeah. Dude, was that sad at all? We didn't get a, a, a parade? Lap? I referred to this, and I have for many years. That is the house that R.C. built. So you mm-hmm. can take all your sarcasm and suck it because um, <laughs> that would have helped. Okay, that was right. known. That could have sold another 30% of, t- 30% okay. of tickets. I knew, I knew you were going there. Hey, uh, let's talk about the retro thing before we get to the race. So, first of all, I, don't, I know a few teams that were like, huh? Retro race? And by the way, did you know they gave out a trophy for the top Atlanta scorer over the two rounds? But yeah, duel the dome. Where, are you, where where have you been? I don't. Not reading press releases. I guess. Um, <laughs> did the retro thing work? I mean, my whole thing is like, like if you're gonna do it, teams. First of all, we got Jeremy Martin with a 1970s Yamaha with 1990 retro answer gear. It didn't look like to me. It looked like crap. Uh, you got. You got uh, Weston Pike on a 1990 YZ with modern fly gear. No offense, JT. You have Dunge and Marvin, Fox retro gear, normal-looking bikes. Like, it's kind of like, I like the idea. No one, and Weed, you can vouch for this. No one likes retro like me. <laughs> no one likes retro like me. But I felt like if, you, if you're going to do this, let's all embrace it. Baggett had a bike with, like, 1970s number plates, but nothing else. Some blue, like, 
It's kind of a mishmash, Weege. Retro hybrid. What'd you make of it? Like, did 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 we like it? Did we? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a uh, I'm gonna give it a thumbs up because uh, I thought the retro thing was getting played out. And last year, only two teams even participated. They had it one of the Anaheim's, Gibbs and uh, Barsha's Honda had um, retro stuff. And I really was like, all right, these teams, these gear people, they're done. They're just not into it anymore. They feel they've done it. It's played out. This is actually a comeback. You had almost, what, 50% participation between, you know, the factory gear and, uh, and teams? I thought that was good. JT, what do you think? I thought it was cool. I just thought it was kind of a mess. You know, like, <laughs> right, that's what I said. Martin that's bike, what I said. That was not the right era. <laughs> it's just, um, it's supposed know, to be like, in the 90s. Us, we didn't even make gear in the 90s, so right. it's kind of impossible for us to do retro gear. Um, but, yeah, it would just like, I think everyone kind of had their heart in the right place, but it was not all that well executed by no, many people. Let's do it all in or let's not do it or let's promote it more or do something. like. I think there was a lot of people that didn't know about it till the last minute. Yeah. And then... Well, whose fault is that? So I'm I don't know. Right. I, I'm not saying it's anybody's fault. I just think that's one of the causes. I think it's your fault. Uh, and then other people, you know, there's just so much. There's a military thing. There's a retro thing. There's a, you know, I, there's so many things going on. It's impossible to just have everything, you know, like especially on the gear side. It's kind of a big ordeal to make one-off gear. You know, it's right. not just like, oh, you know, call up somebody, let's just make it. You know, like, so with Fox's side, they're actually selling it, so that makes sense. Uh, for everybody else, it's kind of like, eh. Okay. There's not um, a ton of value there. Um, and then the bikes, it's, you know, if your graphics company is cooperative enough to build you stuff, then sure. JT, best-looking bike, retro bike. Uh, I really liked the JGR look. Especially that it was the 1990, and they had it. Uh, I liked the Starbuck too. It just didn't. It wasn't the right era. Yeah. I think Chad's bike probably was uh, the coolest. A shocking. I don't know. Shocking. You would pick that. I. I, Good I think question. The only one I didn't love was the the Suzuki. I thought uh, Cycle Trader, Rock River Cycle Trader bikes were the best. Best looking. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Henry's. Henry's. That one off YZ four four hundred. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Uh, what do you think, Geyser? I have to agree with the the Reedy thing just because of the, you know, that's right in my wheelhouse as, as far as bikes go. Mm-hmm. But looking back, look on the retro thing, to me, it's for the core fans. And the build-up and the, and the pictures that are going on press days and stuff that work towards that, to me, that's what it's for. Because I had some people that had never been to a Supercross race before, and I was trying to explain to them why Yamahas were yellow, blue, and white. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, it doesn't work for the casual Supercross fan of, of the OEMs and all that stuff. But for us that do this and cover this week in and week out over the years, it, that's, it's refreshing. I don't know. I think that they hit it out of the park, and, you know, I think a lot more participation this year. And, and, and I love it. But I'm, I'm a Reedy fan. The purple seat covers, I, that, that got me. Well, excuse JT from – oh, Weege, what do you think? Best-looking bike. I, I know you're a bit of a, a Scrooge with this, but can you just play along? Uh, I, I like the uh, I like the JGR bikes because obviously I'm biased, just like JT would be toward uh, um, Reed. Plus, I mean that's straight Damon Bradshaw YZ logo on the side of the bike. You can't beat that. Um, well, excuse JT from this because he has a stake in it. But best looking gear is anybody going to say anything other than Fox? Yeah, no, that was sweet looking stuff. Besides you, JT, you're excused from this. But if, if, oh. if anybody say anything about Fox, I'm hanging up on you if you do not think Fox made the best looking gear, <laughs> retro gear. So yeah, they okay. went well. Good talking to you guys. <laughs> Again, you're excused from this. You're not allowed to comment. I just did. Um, 
Yeah, it. Uh, I don't know. I just felt like, eh, whatever. Um, all right, hey, let's get into the race a little bit. So, the okay, Dunge won. Fantastic job by him. JT, I could feel your tears when Reed washed his front end out there. I, I think for sure, for sure, Chad had a podium on lock. Maybe not. Maybe another win. Uh, what do you think, Geyser? I shed a tear as well. I thought to me is the confidence of him coming off of the you know the previous week and getting a start, get, getting out with those guys. And I, I, I don't know if very many riders you know present day or in the past that have another gear like Reedy does that could just show up on any given night and, and have that speed and having that start and being up in the mix with the confidence of last week. I mean, podium all all night. Yeah, long. right. Weed, you, you agree? Podium if he if not win. Hmm? Hello? Yeah, you there? Hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know if it was Weege, JT. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know. I was, he won last week. I know Dungeon was a little bit closer this time, but yeah. I don't know. I, I thought a win was definitely in play. Why not? Did it one week ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, um, with, with Roxton doing what he did, and obviously that third practice, you know, he did something. He rode straight off to his mechanic, got the jacket on, went out. Uh, heat race, got fourth main event. Started in the back, worked his way up to like sixth, and eventually finished uh, eighth. JT obviously he's getting checked out, MRIs and all that stuff. But and we talked about this on the Pulp Show a little bit. Um, it, it, he can't keep doing this. I mean, he's on third in the points. He's a ton of points down from Dunge. He's got to get this ankle fixed or rest or something because he's got an outdoor title to go. You can't keep going on whatever he's got going on with his foot or and or ankle, right? Yeah, the the info I got was that it was uh, some ligament issues, mm-hmm. and you know the the real solution would be to just stay off it and put it in like some kind of walking boot. Yeah, um, you know you see NFL guys do this all the time; they'll be in a walking boot all week, um, and then just to stay off it, and he would be fine. But obviously, we're in the middle of the season; he can't really do that, so. They're trying to manage it as much as they can. Um, they're looking at maybe doing like one day of riding a week, if that. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously an issue. You saw, oh. you know, we've seen a totally different Ken Roxon the last couple of weeks. So, title wise, man, it just it looks pretty bleak. I think they're just in full survival mode at this point. Yeah, exactly. And so, I mean, if if I'm RCH and Kenny, and it's something that's not going to get better, that's it. Pull out. Rest it. If if that that's me if that's that's me, you agree? I think it's a tough call. I think you you know that has to be a meeting that everyone's involved in his management, the team. I, yeah. And if you really are looking at okay, if, if the title is the main goal, you know, if his sponsors like Soaring Eagle and Dodge and these guys would be okay with him pulling out of Supercross, and he could heal and be a hundred percent for outdoors, you have to take a hard look at that. Oh yeah. I don't think that this is just going to heal in the next week and then he's going to get back in this fight. Right. But if he doesn't, what does that do? You know, does it ever get better? You know, does he just keep re-injuring and then it's just a whole year? So yeah, no. I think you bring up a great point. That's a, that's a tough conversation to have and a really hard decision because RCH is so invested in the Supercross series and they have so much activation. And I guarantee you their sponsors are very, very, very much more into Supercross and outdoors. So I don't know. That's a, that's probably a question they would have to pose to their sponsors. It'd be sad. Go ahead, Isaac. Fourth and sniffing the podium. Yeah, Brock Tickle, fantastic. Good job by him. Um, yeah, if uh, 
I mean, I just would hope that you would look at you would look at the big picture here with with a rider and not keep trotting him out if he's not able to, you know, run up there. So, well, I think you know, there these deals that RCH has are multi multi million dollar deals. So, they're for sure going to have to have some sponsor input on what they deem important. You know, well, is it is it better for them to have Roxanne out there in fifth, or is it more important for him? Well. How would it be better to be out there in fifth? I don't know. And then, and just, then you, you come to, to Hangtown and, you know, you got number one plate on and your ankle is still bugging you. Right. But for sponsors, they may think, you know, we spent millions. We want the guy out there. Dude. He's, he's got to be at Supercross. Dude. You know, they, that's, they that can would, look at it that way. I, I would. You. I'd be dropping those sponsors. Well, maybe not. Maybe that's okay. a little harsh. Yeah, maybe that's harsh. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, you got to – you can't. They say we're still trying to win here. We're still trying to get on the podium. We're not trying to ride around in fourth or fifth. I understand that. I'm, I'm just telling you the questions they're right. going to have to pose. Um, He's only 20. You can't risk this, this kid's you know, long-term health. Over it, When you said ligament damage, that's the worst possible foot injury ever, even worse than, than a knee. Uh, it'd be you know, better to break it than to have, have mm-hmm. ligament problems. So um, I think the long-term health of, of Ken's foot should be paramount other than you know being this far back in a championship. It's not like he has one round to go in Vegas and yeah. everything's down to this. Right. I agree. Um, I, I talked to his mechanic before the night, before the day, and and Kelly, and maybe Kelly wasn't telling me the whole story. I don't know, but Kelly said, "Yeah, he hurt his foot in when he hit the wall in Atlanta one. MRI checked out, and everything's fine structurally. It's fine. He's had a little problem moving it side to side. That's what Kelly said. And to me, that seems like perfect sense, and it's all good and fine. And then what happened was Kenny did something in that third practice, heard a pop." Stretched it out because there was no. He jumped off the track and rode on the concrete and rode his mechanic and rode off. So perhaps it was like three quarters done, and he finally finished it off ligament wise um, in that third practice. So it does make sense. Um, he was in pain. I had a very interesting yeah. face. Weege, did you see where Kennard went off the track? I missed it totally. Like TV missed it too. Yeah, I didn't see it. I just want to mention something on the Kenny thing though before we move on. I think what you're seeing here is this is kind of a new world order about how this sport is going to work, where you have teams like that one who the majority of their money is, is straight outside the industry marketing money. And as JT said, it depends on where, like, our, our traditional model is if you can't win the Supercross championship, you try to win the motocross championship. But there are outside sponsors that might not even know the difference or care. And to them, when they have uh, – there's a point during every day where they give like VIPs a tour of the rig and they get to meet Roxon and Tickle. That is unbelievably valuable to those companies, probably more so than a result at a race three months from now that they don't even know is going on. It's not if this were just straight up old school factory Suzuki, winning races is the most important thing. But this is a new model for the sport of this team. I don't know no. if it's that easy to just say it that way. No, the new model uh-huh. is the new model is winning races and titles and getting on the podium. That is the new model, no, which no, coinc- coincidentally no, is the old model. So that is not. That's totally untrue. That's completely untrue. If your sponsors, if you have to, if your sponsors don't understand, What's the story. Well, okay, here we go. Story Eagle does not make a single motorcycle component or part. Their main thing is for their people to feel like they got their money's worth, and that could be measured a million ways okay, besides well, winning a championship. For Soaring Eagle, there's a race called Red Bud right down the road, and you can meet Kenny at Red Bud and come by and see him there when he will be 100% and winning races or on the podium every week and winning a championship. Now, if the sponsors don't understand that, then someone at RCH is not doing a good enough job of emphasizing 
that they are there to win races and titles. Are they? Or are they there to be a functioning business? No, they're Matt, there to win. Do you agree with this, that there, there are two realities between HRC Honda, how they measure success, and how Soaring Eagle would measure success as a team? Uh, the, yeah, the way you get exposure is by winning. That's If you can't win due to an ankle, then you're not getting exposure. Well, you should tell that to all the teams out there that have sponsors that don't win races because they're obviously missing the boat. Right. There's a well, lot. Only one. I mean, it's per not a per round of uh, first. Six, if there's, there's a, a if there's a sponsorship pie to go to the pie analogy, there's a percent in there that is just exposure and racing and certainly media attention for doing whatever is a good thing and all that. But when you're on Kenny Roxon's level, you're paying him what you're paying him and writing him checks. Suzuki is probably his biggest check, the biggest chunk of money from Suzuki. I, I would argue that. But you're, you're talking about one time. team where it doesn't apply or doesn't apply as much. I mean, that is the outside sponsor, factory-supported, juggernaut team that is the dream of all. I mean, that's the one team that they, they could get by without a championship or winning races, as, as described by success by the sponsors. I think we each have a point there. Well, Kenny, hopefully your ankle's I, I okay. I don't think paying the majority of his money. I don't, just, think, I don't think that's true. Well, Suzuki gives RCH, I imagine, uh, bikes and support, and that's money. Mm-hmm. Is that more money than Jimmy Jones? I don't know. Do you know that? No idea. I oh, do not. Okay, so no okay well, We're hopefully just... hopefully Kenny uh, just is, is ankle shot. Let's keep trotting him out there like some sort of wounded warrior, and hopefully he can get top ten, and, uh, and we'll, have a, we'll have a good time. Cause he, he got... well, we don't know if it's what his ankle is. We can reserve that to till we get a press release of what the actual medical diagnosis is. Until then, it's speculation of that they're they're harming him. Well, well, yeah, no, this is all about going forward from here. Obviously, what we saw. If is, okay, if the assumption is that he's killing his career by going out an ankle, I don't think that anyone is going to recommend that. But if I, I don't think it's quite as cut and dry of we. If it affects Hangtown one percent, it is not worth racing any more Supercross races. I don't think it's quite that. I think it's quite that simple. I'll give you a perfect example. I would assume that there were a ton of whatever brands and companies that sponsor JGR's team that were in at watching the race because they were right down the road, right? And Pike got pole shot and led five laps. He couldn't stay up there because he's been dealing with injuries. And I guarantee you, if any of those sponsors that only semi sort of know what we're going on, they'd have been like, dude, that was awesome. Our guy led. That was great. Like, they don't know anything about him getting tired or being hurt or anything. That was the, besides winning, that was awesome. Now, having Pike not race would have accomplished nothing. I'm sure there were sponsors that would have thought that was the greatest thing ever. He yeah, led yeah, five but, laps. But totally what, worth it. But what Pike did was more impressive than what Kenny did. Kenny got eighth and was up to sixth at one point and just kind of riding around. You know. Well, yeah, so, but you can't script these races. There's no guarantee that Kenny wouldn't couldn't hold shot at least three laps well, next week. A, we don't listen, know. Did anybody see Canard go off the track? I did not. That's interesting. JT? Uh, I saw your argument go off the rails. About as close as I got. <laughs> you figure you'd be paying more attention to a fly racing rider like Trey Kennard. So no one knows what happened. Huh. Weird. Nope. Yeah, I never saw it. Yeah, he so, said he went off the track. I know that. But hey. Uh, uh, I, know he would, I know he went from a 55 to a 103. <laughs> on his lap time. So uh, hey, JT. Tomac and Kennard, they were pushing. Man. That was a Sweet. battle. That was intense. Good to see. Yeah. Well, both of them. You know, obviously they were chasing... Dungey, but then it's the Honda, you know, Honda versus Honda mm-hmm. fight within a fight thing going on too. Uh, so yeah, there's there's a lot of pride, and obviously, you know, Trey's at, Trey's second point, so 
he doesn't want to give up two points to Eli. Yeah. You know, Eli's way out of this thing, but those two points, who knows what's going to happen. That could be really, really important. So, yeah. It was uh, just they were definitely going for it. There's no oh, doubt about that. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I think Trey's mistake could be pointed to that. Well, and then, you know, people may not like to hear this, Weege, but the, they were on the border. Both of them, I felt, were riding their typical style where you did have one eye closed a little bit because, like, there were mistakes because they were pushing so hard. It was cool to see. Yeah, and uh, I, I think it just shows how hard it is to run that pace because Trey was definitely fast enough, um, you know, the best lap to best lap in the first half of the race. And then Dungey got away, and I know that the, the armchair quarterback thing would just to be say, well, Trey's got to get better shape. Dungey's in better shape. But it's, it's not quite that simple. I mean, when you're riding that close to the edge, to just say, go and run that exact perfect lap 20 times, there's just a million factors out there. So I think that's all it is. On, on some nights, Trey's able to do it every lap, and sometimes he's only able to do it some of the times. It's not that he just gets straight tired and isn't fit enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought he was faster the previous week. He ran Dungy down late in the race. And yeah. then this time, Dungy pulled away. It's amazing the tiny little details that separate these guys week to week. Yeah, absolutely. More. I thought it was, uh, just to jump in before we move away from that, but I thought it was really interesting uh, during the afternoon, I uh, was sitting with Michael Byrne watching video from practice, and Name his dropper. exact words to me were, Dungy, if Dungy's this good in practice, everybody's screwed. Wow. <laughs> very pro- very prophetic of how it was going to go. He's just like, you know, Dungy's not the guy that hangs it out. If he's able to put down laps, what he's doing right now, and he's faster than everyone, yeah, it's over. You know, he was already yeah, like... I read your, your race rex thing, and I agree with the, with the, the Dungy thing, but is there anything that encapsulates Dungy's difference is how quickly he battled and got around Pike and, and that, you know, rubbing bars those first few laps. I mean, is it the normal Dungy from last year... Does he, you know, follow for two laps? Does he? Does he not, you know, run it right back in on him um, in those opening? Oh, uh, you laps? know, he was just pooping his pants, thinking he had to get by Pike. <laughs> How am I going to do this? How am I going to get by this guy? <laughs> Ask Jason Anderson. <laughs> yeah, really, right? They should have Secret Service just at the track whenever there's an incident with Pike, and just put the Secret Service on the other rider. Just yeah, instantly have them covered with guys with with the suit talking into their into their sleeves. Yeah, Dunge was good. I guess we didn't talk about him a little bit. I didn't lead the show off with him, which we should. I mean, his third win out of the last five races, 30-point lead now. I mean, Dunge. Let me ask you this. You didn't touch on your article. This is something I I wanted to get your opinion on. His bike, to me, looks – he looks so much more comfortable on the bike. How much of it is – this whole his transformation of his you know trainer, all that stuff he's doing this year, and just he looks better on the bike. The bike is agreeing with him more. I do agree with the bike thing. Uh, there were so many races, and, and we've talked about this a little bit, but there's so many races before where you're just like, man, I don't know what he's doing with this setup, but it doesn't uh-huh. look good. You know, like I, I would watch, I would watch short um, ride, and I would watch Dungy ride, and they have you know virtually the same setup. I know Andrew's on an air shock, but they have access to the same stuff. And Dungy, I would just like, man, it just doesn't look right. It's hopping around, and then I'd watch Shorty, and I'm like, oh, that's how it's supposed to look. This year, I haven't seen that at all. I've, every time I watch Dungy, his setup looks fine. Uh, so that, you know, I think mentally uh, he's more confident with Villapoto gone, and the bike certainly looks like it's better, and, and his starts are, are much improved too. But, you know, whatever's going on with their starts, they seem like they have it figured out. We had uh, Dungy on the Pulp Show. Iser, I'm sure you were listening. Get some tips and stuff. I, I, did, hear, I, I did hear about it, though. I thought uh, it was, he was, I, was it part of his contract? Was it 
obligated to? How'd that happen? Uh, I don't know. I think we're buddies now. He said buddy <laughs> to me. Hey, but he, no, here's what he said. He was talking about the motocross nations. He got really into depth. I couldn't believe it. Dungeon was like, I was so lost. I, I, I set my bike up so wrong at the t- last two races. I don't know what I was doing. I led those guys in a bad direction. I'm like, whoa. Like, it was actually pretty cool. But yeah. um, anyways, just a little side note about about Because there is an undercurrent out there that Dunge is a not the greatest tester. There's a little bit of people who have worked with him. Kind of like, yeah, he gets a little panicky. He gets a little lost. He makes a lot of changes. So there is that out there. Um, hey, so, uh, Iza, let me ask you. More impressive this year to you, Brock Tickle or Blake Baggett? Uh, they went 4-5 this weekend. Uh, you can make a case for both guys. God, those those middle meat guys, the meat of the sandwich are the, you know, the, the top guys. In the, in the, I mean, I love this, this uh, the Cole Seelys and the, the uh, you know, Brock and, and, uh, and Baggett. Because I, I think Baggett, to me, most improved from from the beginning of the of the season and how he's uh, seemed to really take RJ's uh, lead to to calm down and get into. I mean, I, I was surprised he weighs 138 pounds mm-hmm. for a 450. That's you know that's a handful for so him. You know, starting out a little bit cautious. I understand, but um, they're on two different trajectories. Obviously, I think Baggett to me is for his rookie season. Um, I'm very impressed, and Brock coming back from his injury. Uh, I, I have to give the nod to, to Blake just because of uh, this being the rookie year, and, and we understand how that can be, you know, trying mm-hmm. for anybody. Uh, what do you think, Weege? Tickle? Baggett? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously when they finished fourth and fifth that race, and I think they were pretty close on speed. It's really hard to pick a pick a winner, but uh, no, I mean, I'm still it, saying that. What, what's that? Well, I mean, this year in general, like. Tickles missed two uh, I mains. I still say that Baggett is the, the biggest surprise uh, of the year, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. Because I know that it looked like he got a gift, for example, in this main because Anderson, Pike, and Roxon all went down together. <laughs> yeah, but he creeped into that battle as they were battling, and I know that slows him up a little bit. But he was catching them anyway. Right. Um, now he's basically been top five speed the last five weeks. Really good. JT could be walking home. He could be walking home soon. Totally. Um. Now, Anderson looked out of control and obviously didn't mean to do that, but Weed, you talked to him after the race, and he didn't exactly admit that, did he? Oh, yeah, but here's the telltale sign. Pike was not actually mad. <laughs> yeah. I think it was so blatant and ridiculous that everyone just had to assume there's no way he meant that on purpose. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, if Pike gives you the free pass, you, you must be innocent. So, uh, but Anderson just said he went in there to scare him, but he didn't mean to destroy him like that. And I guess they hit him so hard that even Pike realized that couldn't have been. Uh, on <laughs> it was purpose. a direct team uh, I mean, it was Anderson. I don't know why Anderson just didn't say, "Yeah, I was out of control, man. I really, my bad." You know. So, but guys, yeah, Anderson and me coming out and practicing, he, he would jump out right away, get out and, and lead. I mean, he he to me looked really good all day long. So. Um, I wasn't surprised by that, and the only thing touching on that on his uh, on the bike were his hands on the handlebar when he kind of got a little bit squirrely before he hit Pike. But Anderson, to me, I picked him on fantasy stuff. You know, throughout the day, he, he looked he looked good to me. I mean, I think it was a good bounce back round for him, hmm. speed wise. I think he was better. Yeah, the last couple of weeks, I agree. The finish obviously wasn't, but speed wise. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Short had food poisoning. Told us told me before the before the night show that it was not he was not a good pick for fantasy moto. That's insider trading. That's illegal. Wait, hey, JT was actually on the track letting dudes pass him uh, if he had him in if he had him in <laughs> fantasy. That's well, inside. That's inside information. 
Seven Deuce Deuce is doing it too. What do you mean? Oh, inside info. Yeah. First qual. First right. qualifying. Right. Um, what else? Uh, Cole Seeley didn't have a great race. I thought he'd do well. He qualified well. Uh, just didn't get the start. Then fell uh, at some point. Um, and uh, and Pike continues to impress. Although, yeah, he did. He did. I kind of made the argument to J Bone Weege. I'll talk to you about this. I said after after the race to J Bone, like I thought Pike leading and everything was great, but I thought he blew himself up a little bit. And if he had maybe just backed it down a bit, he probably could have took a fourth where Brock Tickle finished, and everything would have been cool. But instead, I felt like he kind of went backwards a little bit because he's still not 100%. J-Bone disagreed with me, but which is nothing new. I mean, I've been – maybe I'm wrong. but uh, I think it's way cooler, though, to, to go for, the, go for oh, that lead. Though. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just felt, My it. whole point was I think he could have got a fourth by just riding within himself because he did look out of hand when he was riding there. Oh yeah, but you, I think the last he. he's made no bones about it that he wants to win. You know whether he does or not, who knows? But he fully expects himself to win races at some point. So I think he's just like, screw it, I got to okay. learn somehow. Right. So I'm just going for it. Yeah, unbelievable. Turn down whip with Reed. I mean, are you kidding me? That's yeah. I brought that up with Chad in the post race podcast. He was he really just skimmed over it though. He didn't really want to discuss it. <laughs> that and and uh, Tomac railing that outside Barber standing up like Everett's chasing Kennard. I mean, I thought that that just goes to show you how how hard those guys are pushing. But I, I love those two of my favorite uh, you know little little shots. Did anybody else look for a lessee on the last two laps when Tickle was running fourth? No, no, no. Um, I'm like Mike. Find your back break. Please do not take Tickle out at this point in, in, in Atlanta. Please. Uh, Iser, do you remember when Ricky beat Everett's? That was pretty good, huh? Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, just, I'm just bringing it some back. There is some Alessi heat out, out there. My back. What's that, Weege? Alessi, there is some heat out there. He and uh, Chiz. Yeah. Going out, yeah. You know? And then and Brittany, Chiz's wife, I, I don't like when the wives chime in, and I like Brittany. But I don't like that. I never like that. I just wives need to just vent to the husbands, vent to the friends, and do not go on social media. I don't like that. But We're usually I, just mad at Weege. Yeah, well, Weege is making them quit Twitter. He's making them quit social media. So very, very powerful. Who's next? The hatred is very powerful. Yeah, hashtag who's, hashtag who's next? Hey, uh, yeah. Weege, did you hear that the NASCAR was in town and there were drivers there? Did you hear about that? There were? Yeah. Yeah, it's phenomenal. There they should have was... built it up. should have made a big deal of it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's very odd. Very strange. I had no you know idea. what, though? I have to, uh, I, you knew that was coming because we've always made the joke that Supercross will take anything they can get, to, you know, anything that's big time, celebrity, legitimizing they, themselves. They, they took Brett Michaels, for God's sake. They took him. They ran right. him. Right. But what you have to remember in this situation is that the NASCAR race and all the NASCAR races this time of year are all on Fox Sports and Fox Sports 1. So this is a rare the TV network and the promoter in full agreement. So this is like a left and right hand throttle being turned wide open. <laughs> I mean, they couldn't have nice, couldn't have raced this more. Yeah. Wait, so I had the podcast bring that up. That was nice. Um, all right. Yeah. Hey, let's, uh, let's move on here. We've got lots to talk about. Oh, uh, um, listen to this race tech commercial. Save yourself 10% using the code PulpMX15, and uh, you can save yourself money at Race Tech. Great guys, great suspension. We'll be right back on the BTOsports.com Race Race Podcast presented by Fox Racing. Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com Race Race Podcast presented by Fox Racing. Race Tech people, Racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. 
There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with race tech. Trust me on this. There's a more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, eh, probably. 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for race tech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore. Uh, Dakotas, some of the guys just using uh, Race Tech Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay. And uh, they offer a full line of Race Tech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10% at uh, Race Tech? Go to PulpMX2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com. And they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right. Back to the show. And we're back! BTOsports.com, uh, Racer X Podcast, Atlanta 2 wrap-up. Iser, uh, we didn't really go anywhere. I just, I'm going to put the commercial in after. So. That was the fastest commercial ever. Uh, presented by Fox Racing. Uh, all right, let's move on to 250s a little bit, because we still want to talk about GP, GP opener a little bit. Um, yeah, Muscan won, Martin second, Bogle third, Savashi fourth. Kind of getting that running order a little bit, Weege. Now, um, I guess... JT, we'll start with you. Uh, thoughts on the on the race in general? On the 250? Yeah. Um, kind of what I expected. Uh, I thought Marv would bounce back. And his his Atlanta 1 was so uncharacteristic for him, just mistake after mistake and uncomfortable looking. So that's what I expected. Um, yeah, there wasn't too many things that I you know, just jumped out of me. I just, it was kind of what I, how I saw it playing out, honestly. Mm-hmm. Kaiser? I loved uh, Jimmy Martin. That pass he, he put on Tonus I thought was, was pretty cool. And that corner before the triple, he's, he's riding aggressive and he goes from not making mains to, you know, showing his potential that we all knew he was going to have in, in Supercross. But Marvin's the class of the field, dude. He's, when he's on, he's on. And, and uh, Bogle lingering back there uh, on the podium, I still think that that, you know, he still has a, Mm-hmm. You know the potential to do that, but he's got to he's got to win races. I mean, this is a short series. Seriously, Iser, how friendly is Marvin? I, I I think I tweeted that he's like a puppy. You can't not like the guy. It's, I mean, it, it, yeah, tough. he's just a, he's just that. We actually uh, Red Bull had us out to the uh, the Top Golf on Thursday night uh, last week in between Atlantas, and I got to hang out with the KTM. And he's 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 the same no matter what. Whether his and I love his podium speeches, by the way. How epic are those diatribes? He's just uh, <laughs> well. First of all, don't compare him to a puppy because then Weege will not like him. So don't. That's true. But I forgot. Yeah. Good, good point. Yeah. Steve. Nobody likes puppies. Nobody. Um, hey, yeah. I I went. How's this for a post? I went to go interview him for a post race interview, and you know, yeah. here's this dude, chubby dude, cargos running around trying to talk to riders. <laughs> I see him, and I just say, hey, Marvin, can I get a word to talk to you? And he's just like, oh, hello. I'm like, hi. Nice to see you. I have not seen you this year. And I'm like, yeah, good to see you too, Marvin. Good job. He's like, uh, everything good? And I'm just like, I'm already hitting record on my thing because I don't expect oh, it. Awesome. And he goes, I follow you on Twitter. I see you. And I'm just like, <laughs> like, <laughs> 
I have not gotten that same reaction from any other riders. I, I'm, yeah. I'm shocked. <laughs> I don't get a lot of, hello, how are you? <laughs> what not, do you want? I've not seen you this year. Like, we, uh, nice guy. Nice guy. Yeah, what unbelievable. We're talking about the track, the track a little bit. And I, I know hold on. Are... Hold on, Iser, because got, we got to lead us into a Mar- another Marvin story. We oh, yeah. t- tell your Marvin story <laughs> from last year. Uh, oh, did he thank us on the yeah. TV show? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, first rider in the history of the sport. He was throwing down, as you said, one of his epic podium diatribes, thanking yeah. everybody last year. And he even threw out, and even uh, Grant and Jason doing a great job in the booth. <laughs> it has never been done in the history. He even thanked us. And then when I saw him in Anaheim this year, I'm like, dude, you're the only rider that's ever thanked the TV announcers in a podium interview. But you're doing a great job. It's very hard what you do. You guys do a great job. And I just feel like you needed to hear that. That's how nice this guy is. Oh. If only he had Jason and Grant, uh, the name on his fender, to, to remember to thank him. Yeah, yeah. Can you, just, can you just imagine, like, Richard Sherman at the end of the game? Hey, Michaels! Chris Connell's doing a great job up there! I killed it in the booth. I didn't hear it, but I'm assuming you killed it. Uh, be- beast mode. Go- athlete ever thank the TV announcer. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch. Hey, good job, Al. Good job, Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> it's just, it's phenomenal. Yeah, the, you can hear it in my poster's interview because I'm already hitting record. He's like, I follow you on Twitter. I'm like, all right, Marvin, all right. So. That should be a, a name for Marvin, Beast Mode. That that, that just oozes Marvin oh, he Beast Mode. mode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, good. Yeah. So we, you talk, Tonus did not have a good race. We were waiting for Tonus. We've been waiting for Tonus, and we made <laughs> we made probably some inappropriate Switzerland jokes in the press box. But uh, you found out he actually is dealing with something right now. Yeah, I don't know what uh, exactly. He said he had low blood sugar, so I don't know if you're going to find out that he's hypoglycemic or diabetic or something like that. But mm-hmm. uh, he faded big time from what we could see. And then I watched a TV show this morning, and, like, dude, when you see it up close, like, he was barely holding up. Like, he would land from jumps and almost bounce off the motorcycle. Like, yeah. clearly he had a serious health issue. So maybe yeah. we should uh, we should really judge at all who knows what's going on right no, now. No, that's Definitely what I mean. You know, we yeah. were like, what's going on with this dude? And then, it, yeah, it turns out he's, he could have an issue. So uh, Jimmy D, yeah. JT. Jimmy D made an appearance. Rode well. Showed up. Finally, the Jimmy D we expected to see all season, right? Yeah, um, right. You know, nobody expected him to be the title in the title hunt, but <clears throat> certainly battling near the top five is expected, and uh, that was that was the Jimmy D we got. So I don't know what changed, or you know, maybe just didn't crash on the first lap or whatever. But uh, what? certainly much much better, and hopefully it's. What about know, his balls out pass on Tonus? Two, three. I don't. I don't condone oh, yeah. that move. <laughs> I honestly, watching it, I'm like, that was ridiculously stupid. Oh, he was. It was so. It was. So, they, he could have took them both down. A flagger no, could have. could have gone down. It, it, it's it dumb because you know Tonus is going to cut across the inside to step on there. Right. Like that's just. <laughs> it worked out that's in this case. Line, yeah. Yeah. But highly, highly <laughs> unrecommended. Yeah, it just. Well, to me, even looking back, even though I know I succeeded, I was just like, yeah, that was dumb. Uh, uh, Iser, Jordan Smith didn't qualify. No, and I, I, felt, I felt bad. I want to give some props to Matt LeMoyne. His results didn't show his feet all day. He's looking, he's looking good this year, too. But Jordan, man, that seventh whoop, I don't know what is up with that. Um, it, it claimed a lot of people, and I saw him flinching through the whoops. I, you know, I realized that he was, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know what was up with him, and I know he's going to be back. Coming back from that hand injury is not ideal to make your rookie debut, especially you know when everybody's already up to speed. But 
he's the real deal. Weege will speak to it as well. He's, you know, well, I, I, I look forward to come. If I'm, I mean, look, it's easy to second guess these dudes, but Weege, if I'm, if I'm Jeff Myshack, Mike Larocco, Ricky Ziggy, uh, Rick Zigfelder, uh, Zielfelder, Zegfelder, whatever, Ziggy, um, I'm yeah. telling this highly touted amateur kid, you are not racing until you're 100%. First, I want to say that team between Ziggy, um, Myshak, and uh, who's Morocco's buddy, Darren Borchardering, mm-hmm. is that how you say it? Who kind of like the co-team manager guy. They have the three hardest to spell and pronounce last names, and they all work at our place. It's like, it's like Scrabble. It's, imagine if they put all their letters together. You'd have a Scrabble board. They're like the hockey yeah, so players on motocross. And Myshak, even though it's not even close to how they're spelled. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the guy wanted to get out there. It's really hard to say. You know, because it was the boxer's fracture, which dudes have actually come back even more quickly than that. So I don't know. I'm not a doctor, so I, I can't say what the condition was. One thing I found out by actually talking to him is he's clearly been injury-prone here. Like the last two years, he's been banged up a lot. But I talked to him in Dallas, and he actually explained that a lot of this stuff has just been not his fault. Like his biggest thing, he had a broken femur and a torn ACL um, at the Minios last year, and he said the guy in front of him was chain-broken, and he just landed on a guy. And then I think I think there was a bike problem with his hand injury. I think there was definitely a bike problem after the crash. We saw the picture, mm-hmm. but uh, you know I think it's two or three bike problems of him or a dude he's with mm-hmm. have claimed it, and now you have two straight years of oh man, this guy gets hurt all the time. Yeah, so he crashes a lot. It's amazing let's, how let's not shy away from that. Let's he uh, crashes maybe he's doing the Jeremy Martin plan where he's just not going to qualify for Supercross when the outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone if anyone is trying to make the case that he doesn't crash a lot, I will argue to the death about that. No, he. I mean, he, I good think it's know. well documented is that when he balls up, he balls up pretty good. I mean, that's you know that. And look at Zach Bell. I mean, there's lots of guys that that come out of amateurs with with that reputation, and some you know some mellow out and, and some don't. But uh, as far as Atlanta goes, he didn't have any any epic uh, car crashes, right? He crashed. He crashed pretty much every time he was out there. But not in like a. I'm not talking no, about not like, not massive crashes. Yeah. Sometimes they weren't even his fault. Just poor decisions, like jumping right. into sections that uh, he probably shouldn't have. Well, the LC, there people there in the LCQ, he did the Dakotas on the last yeah. lap. He went two three, yeah. and guess what? It right. didn't work. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it, it just you know, I don't think it's always his fault that he gets hurt, but he certainly has the tendency to crash. And then the more you crash, the more you're going to get hurt. So, um, Weege, have you noticed? Freeze and Lemoyne are finding each other, and this week they're twelve and thirteen, and they were still going at it. These two guys, they were, they're, you know, they're fifth and yeah. sixth, the last first rounds, and now they're now they are twelve and thirteen, and they're still finding each other. It's like amazing. Yeah, uh, they they were definitely in that like battle of the uh, the next tier, like the non factory guys. Although we'll see now if the code is, as we expected to be, might be in that group with them. But I don't know what was up with Freeze. I mean, he'd been so good the first two rounds, and really. The two fifties, he's been pretty good in most of the races the last few years. But mm-hmm. I talked to Le- I saw Lemoyne after the race, and I'm like, "You battled him again." He's like, "Yeah, but something must have been wrong." Like I was in twelfth coming from last, and he was clearly going backwards. So I don't know what. Yeah, he happened to. He, yeah, he's been battling a rib injury. Maybe that bugged him. He definitely, uh, he definitely went back. You know, so. Yeah, but it was funny. You're right. How they ended up. They mm-hmm. battled for 15 laps last weekend, and they did it again here, even yep. though they were seven positions further back. They were still battling. We 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 had a catered at uh, Cycle Trader. Uh, Buka de Pepo is very good. Thanks to those guys. And you got yep. to the bottom of Luke Resland. He is Jersey. He's Jersey. Well, just like Barsha. Yep. Mm, no, we determined Barsha was not Jersey. 
or New York? No, and J-Law is Jersey. Um, pretty much all of them are. Bill Poto, uh, one generation before him, his dad and uncle born in New Jersey, so we'll claim that too. Mm. All right. Okay. Well, good luck. Um, yep. I'm claiming Dakota says Canadian because he's... Uh, no, quit it. He's, he's dating a chick from Manitoba. He's up in Manitoba all the time. I know, but dating Jamie does not make him Canadian. Ah, kind of. If they had a baby, it'd be half Canadian. You see how it works? Yeah, I guess. All right. You can claim their, their, their baby. All right. Hey, before... No we one's went... claiming you as American because you married Pookie. I can promise you that. Oh! I can promise you that, Mr. Mathis. Listen, Iser. I can the hang up. has been thrown. I can hang up on you very easy. Unfortunately, with JT, the, the web is weaved in and out very intricately. Um, Davalos? No? Don't know? Uh, Savachi? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to see Martin and Bogle and Muscan at the most races on the podium, right, guys? I mean, don't you? you yeah, I would count way. Martin out. Uh, Martin, Martin had just... Uh, I think Martin knows that he, he's not looking for podiums. He wants to beat Marvin. Mm-hmm. And he was so aggressive there in that first lap to try to get around Bogle. And uh, uh, was it Dakotas? Who was right behind? They were third and fourth, and they tangled up. Um, uh, Martin, do not count him out. He will win more races. It's not over yet. Should we ask, should we ask Ping what he thinks? <laughs> yeah, he can copy us in. Thanks. <laughs> Next time we have Ping on, we will address this at some point. Oh, no, unquestionably. <laughs> um, yeah. Iser, do us a favor. Yes, sir. Don't ever do this. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. If, you, if someone is asked to make a prediction of who's going to win a title, that means that you are saying someone else is not, right? Right. So don't go out there and copy it. This is what Ping did. After Atlanta 2, he said, hey, at Jeremy Martin, tagged him in on Twitter, uh-huh. and basically said, Mathis Weege and JT did not pick you to win the title like I did. Why would you do that? We had to pick somebody. Like, if we had picked... Him, then he could have done the same thing with Buscan after the first week. Like, why would you do that? That was a, that was a, a equivalent of a tweet bitch slap to you guys. Wow. Well, yeah. I, I mean, and then we, you know, that would be equivalent. We should have all tagged uh, Marvin this week and said, "Hey, Marvin." Yeah, he didn't pick you. Good job, Pingree didn't pick you. I mean, we're in this media business where we entertain people, we have some decent thoughts on stuff, and we try to, you know, put our balls out there because a lot of people don't put their balls out there. Well, now. You know, and then what sucks is you do that and you offer up an opinion and whatever. It's, nobody said Jeremy Martin sucks balls, speaking of balls. And people just said, we said Marvin looks like the favorite to win the title. And, ah, Pingree. Too much, too many, too many fire, too much time in the firehouse. Let me ask you this. Who wins, who wins first? Martin wins again or Bogle wins his first? Uh, Martin's going to win this weekend. Yeah. Oh. Oh, they, that's, they that's a bold statement. Yeah, I'm throwing it out there. Martin's going to win this weekend. Okay. Let me go ahead and tag those guys in right now. <laughs> <laughs> Good one, Iser. Um, hey, okay, let's let's move on to the GP real quick. Ryan Villapoto. It was. Uh, I don't know, Weege, if you noticed it or JT, but everyone at the trucks, every truck had the GP on that 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 could and. A big crowd of of industry people. There was probably. I'm surprised there weren't more uh, bike. Uh, parts falling off bikes for that last practice because no one was working yeah. on bikes. No one was looking at bikes. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, it was a big deal. People were really tuned in to uh, Villapoto's debut. So, uh, I'm not kidding. I think the line, the KTM has two semis, and one was where Moosecan and Benji were signing autographs, and the other is just the plain old hospitality trailer where there's usually nothing going on except free food. 
with a big but TV. The crowd was as big because they had a big screen in the side of the GP, and I swear there were as many people. They were like seven deep at the fence just to watch the TV. Yeah. Of fans, yeah. let alone industry people. Where'd you watch it, JT? Yeah. Uh, I watched it on my computer in the press box. Oh, okay. Yeah, I watched it at Cali Truck and Weed. You watched it at KTM Truck. And uh, it was a big crowd of people. So, I don't know about you guys. I'm shocked. I'm shocked that, uh, yes, he had a rear brake problem in a second moto. Yes, he had a problem with his bike, his launch control, his ECU in the first moto. But I'm still shocked that he went 9-8. I think everybody is. <laughs> I mean, is it, I mean... Yeah. He, and, all, and obviously it wasn't planned, but the whole team heading back to Belgium or Holland to go test this week because, you know, the bike wasn't so great. But, Isaac, uh, first up, you, what you, would you, what'd you take away from that? I will be, this is my disclaimer, my caveat to this, is I don't follow GPs like you guys do. And for years, um, it's a blip on my radar as opposed to, you know, America. Um, so I, I, I don't pretend to be schooled in this. But I, I saw that track. I thought it was a piece of shit. Um, I, I don't know what, from the first time I saw that track to, to the end of it, it didn't, it didn't, wasn't pleasing to my eye. I didn't think it was a, a motocross track. I don't, so from, from the get-go, but I think there's a conspiracy behind this. There is no way Filippoto stalls his bike, has all these issues. Goes, not, I mean, it's, to me, there's, there's, there's evil behind this. <laughs> All right. Wow. All right, we got to go. Wow. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know where to go from there. There's evil behind this. You do not you do not take a red-headed American champion hero and and embarrass him on a world stage like that without there being some evil behind the scenes. JT, you're up. JT, you're up. Go ahead. Well said. <laughs> it's obvious. Great. And I, I don't even want to patri- uh, give Giuseppe one second of of, of of a IP address that makes him any money. So I, I hate to even watch. But I am I'm full in now. This is if you could if you could tweeter when not I'm tag me in on that. <laughs> Post with this opinion, that would be great. Oh, and, oh, and Jason sixty six Thomas agrees with me. <laughs> yeah, if you could not do that, that would be awesome. Um, well, DV's David Villeman was in on the Pulp Show, and he said that uh, his buddy does motors over for the team and, and insists that nothing was wrong with the ECU on Villapoto's bike. The Cowie guys I talked to said that uh, they talked to Ryan between motos, or they talked to somebody in between motos. I assumed it was Ryan, maybe not. And and they said that that problem with the ECU, they've been having that in uh, in preseason, and it, it it started again, and they took it off, and they put a stock ignition on, which that's fine, but didn't the bike? He was kicking and kicking his bike on the line for the second moto, which tells me something was weird there too. And I don't see how Ryan Villapoto, winner of eight million races, that looked like an electronics failure to me. DV's buddy may be covering for his team, or I, I in my opinion. That's not Ryan Villapoto doing that. That's not normal. Agree. Evil. So, evil. You think he knows how to go over the starting game without stalling. I do. I do. I do think he does. I do. <laughs> yeah, and, and you're at, you're at 10,000 RPM on the start. You don't the, stall the it. I mean, that, these, these uh, electrical demons, I mean, they're hard to, to diagnose, fix, and, and all that stuff. Um, Listen, on the start, you don't stall it. You wheelie over backwards or you do something stupid, but you don't, you don't stall it. You're at... You're at 12,000 RPMs or 10,000 RPMs or whatever. 
the bike's not going to stall. You can double clutch. You can dump the clutch. You can do anything. The bike's not going to stall. It's not. Yeah. But the argument that he just stalled it because Ryan Villapoto, possibly the best motocrosser ever, you know, maybe barring Ricky Carmichael, just stalled it over the line. Yep. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. Or Tim. And the camera was perfectly positioned for that, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus, here we go. Perfectly. This oh. is. Uh, and then the second moto, he got to throw a 10th place start. You know, worked his way up to 7th uh, and then got passed when he had some rear brake problems. Weege, let's help me here. Please be the voice of reason. These other two guys are out of hand. Uh, it, it was. It was it, he's got some work to do. He's got some serious work to do. You know, there are a million scenarios going into this, and I think, I think a lot of us try to be neutral. I kind of realized somewhere down the road, I'm like, dude, everyone's guessing. There's, it's impossible to really know what's going to happen. It's just, it's literally impossible. It's just an educated guess at best. But out of all the scenarios I guessed would happen, him going like 8-8 or 9-8, whoever it ended up, that was not on my list of things that could happen. Um, I mean, by that standard, I think it was, uh, I, I think the word disaster has to be used. Now, I don't mean disaster for the, going over there or for the title or for the season, but there's no way that battling for seventh, eighth place in the motos, even with the problems he had, was just anything that anyone would have uh, foreseen. I thought it was a little crazy before the race that a lot of people were thinking, well, he'll win this one because it's more of a man-made track, less of a Euro track. Like, dude, I actually had a very prominent industry person who's been around a long time say, dude, all it is is a Supercross track without whoops. He should do good on it. What was Supercross about that track? It was, as I know what you're saying, it was a cruddy track, and I know that the argument would be, they all race it. They all have to race the same track, but I would think that those guys have more experience riding on a track prepped like that uh, than him. Uh, I think overall, what's that? Go ahead. That track just reminded me of uh, Utah. It really did. So if people want to bag on the GP track, uh, guess what? In America, we're doing the same thing. We're building a purpose-built track out in the desert. Yeah. That looks dry, and when you water it, it gets slick, and we have some jumps. We are doing the exact same yeah, thing. Yeah, Lake Elsinore, you've heard of that, too. What do you think of the track, JT? So, Iser, oh, it was terrible. It, a terrible track, but just like Elsinore. I knew it was terrible going into it. Just like Elsinore, just like uh, Utah, uh, it's terrible. So I would yeah, have been more terrible. surprised if somebody terrible. told me that a meteor hit the track than Villapoto's results. That's, that's how shocked I was I, I by, agree. by the day. I don't see. Yeah, hey, it wasn't in the scenarios, but. You know, when I watched it back, it was on TV. That was when I caught it at the hotel while we were, you know, in a room of two beds, but only using one. Uh, it was on TV at, what, 2 in the morning? It was actually not quite as bad as I thought. I mean, really, the second moto, he was kind of in a battle with Stribos, who's not horrible. Then he had beer break problems and went backwards. I think it's salvageable. I mean, there were definitely times Saturday afternoon where I'm like, uh, his a problem. Like, I know he had issues, but his, making up seven, eight places. His, his rear break started going out about halfway. If you look at the lap times, yeah, but, but yeah, guess guess yeah, what? Guess yeah. what? He wasn't moving forward. Mm-hmm. Not really. I know, but he was battling Stribos, who's not a complete joke. You know what I mean? No, no. But I don't honestly. I don't see how he makes the podium. I don't know how he can rebound in a week and going to Holland. And he's got some serious. I don't want to pull the panic button out. I'm not going to pull the panic button out. Yes, but he's got if some. Anybody, anybody can. He can. Oh, here we go. He's got some serious work to do, and I'm shocked, and I'll be surprised if he's on the podium at Thailand or, you know, uh, I think Argentina's after that. So he's got – JT, what did you see on his bike? That uh, I know DB was talking about it being stink buggy and all that. What did you see? Uh, 
I kind of agreed with some of the things Evie said. Uh, I think that <clears throat> they run their setup really stiff. Everyone in America runs their suspension stiff, which I agree with DV. And I don't think that's necessarily the best move for Europe-style tracks. Uh-huh. Um, so I think if he will listen and be a little bit open-minded on setup, that would probably benefit him. Uh, you could you could see that the other guy's bikes looked a little bit plusher, and I think that will that will suit him uh, if he if he'll go that way. It's just you know he's done he's had so much success with his setup that we'll see we'll just see how stubborn he is with setup and if he's willing to move that direction because the setups are different the Euro style bikes are much different um, they just run their bikes a lot softer and I think it's for good reason so there's I'm sure he'll I'm sure after this week this past weekend he'll be open to anything after going through that there's a lot of people after every designation's lost there's been three of them in a row. Uh, a lot of people, including Roger DeCoster, including Dan Bentley, that say our bikes aren't working as good as those guys, the guys that are beating us. Uh, our bikes aren't working as good. There's, 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 there is that. You know, we we have a Supercross style setup. The guys practice Supercross for four months. They ride outdoors for two weeks. Uh, they're going to naturally gravitate to what they're more comfortable with, and that's Supercross settings, stiffer settings than usual than that, and. I think, too, like we're harming ourselves in a way. I don't want to say we're harming ourselves because, you know, it's not very often that we, we have um, um, racers go over to GPs. But, you know, we groom the crap out of our tracks. They're watered, they're, the national tracks. They're watered like crazy. They're sawdust. They're all smooth. A lot deeper. Deeper. The GP guys, I remember walking the track. When I went to Toshintal a few years back, this is actually DV's last year, uh, I walked the track on Saturday night after the qualifying races with Josh Coppins. And I said, are they going to groom this track? And he laughed. He literally laughed at me. They don't touch them. They don't touch them. And maybe it's the pussification of American motocross where these guys got to have a perfect track every time. And Dungey made mention of that on the show last night, by the way. Uh, my buddy, Ryan Dungey, made mention yeah. of that, too, yeah. about, yeah, about how our tracks in America are maybe let them get rough. Let them be real motocross. Slow the bikes down a little bit. I don't know. I think too. Um, you know the the golden rule is the the more hard pack and more uh, packed in the track gets, the softer you need to go on your suspension. The deeper and softer the track is, the stiffer you need to go. Well, those GP tracks don't get that soft. You know the sand races, of course. Yeah, of course, right. These hard pack tracks, uh, Qatar, Thailand, all these tracks, you have to go softer. You have to to get better traction and let the bike work. All these tracks in America, Red Bud, all these tracks, like DV was saying, they bring in sand, they make them softer, they have sawdust, they rip them up. So you have to go stiffer, stiffer, stiffer to get the bike to basically stay up in the stroke mm-hmm. and not go over the bars every time you hit a soft bump or right. you know all those things. So it's just a completely different uh, outlook and, and approach to how you set the bike up. So I haven't been there in testing. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure where he is with the bike, but... I just think it would behoove him to look at it and maybe listen to the guys that are used to setting the bikes up differently. Weege, does he make the podium this weekend? Well, that's what I'm saying. There's a lot of uh, a lot of reasons or excuses, whatever you want to use them. I think when your bike stalls at the line, that's a reason, not an excuse. But to just assume, oh, once he gets the bike fixed, he's going to make up eight positions and like a whole minute on speed. That's a huge assumption. That's so what I don't I'm think, saying. That's what I'm I don't saying. know yet. Like It's Ryan Villapoto. He's one of the best riders ever. You could put that in his corner, but you, dude, he's never gotten eighth in a national before. I mean, it's just not an automatic. Hold on, it's going to work. I'm going to attach him on Twitter right now at Ryan Villapoto. 
um, at Jason yeah. Wygant says, um, Iser, does he make the podium? Iser, does he make the podium in Thailand? Not only does he make the podium, he's going to drink one of those Coca-Colas that was in the background of that picture. He is going to slam a Coca-Cola. He hasn't had one. I don't know how long. He probably had a, had a sugary drink. Okay. I, don't know, uh, I don't know what you're talking he, about. I think you've lost your mind. You officially he, lost he, your mind. He, he, he podiums. Despite the evil forces working against him? <laughs> I can tell you what, the best part of this past week on the GPs is being able to say the name Maximilian. Best freaking name ever. And I want to credit the GP riders, to all the guys. I'm not discrediting any of those guys. Congratulations to the winners and everybody that did well. Um, but, you know, Maximilian, uh, you know, he, he earned it, and, and we'll see if we, if, we, if we can bounce back. I've just never been more invested in my entire life than in the GPs than, than this. This is national pride. This is like my Southeast pride versus, you know, the little segment of, of Cali versus the Southeast when it comes to, to the racers. I'm all in now. I'm, I'm the I'm the biggest Villapoto fan, which I haven't always been, as Weege knows. But I'm uh, I'm all in. I think oh, that wow. the one thing we're the one thing we're overlooking for Thailand is the fuel issue. Uh, how is that oh, going to how will that those guys be affected? Because last year the KTM's, I mean, they dominated just because of the fuel. So uh, they're calling for 95 to 100 degrees again. Um, Paul Inn had all kinds of issues last year. All the, you know, Tommy Searle actually was injured because his bike wouldn't run. So we'll see. That that could be a huge factor as well. I would think they'd sort that out. I mean, from last well, year. Well, apparently was... they can't. They don't have access to it. Yeah, uh, but they can't get better fuel. So I don't know that that's okay. it's, a, it's a government law. So I okay, don't know but that that's, there's, uh, there's no way they're just KTM once again will magically have the only fuel that works. Well, they have they have the uh, the rights to it. They're the only ones that are allowed to get it. Well. That's just flat cheating. Here we go. Good job, JT. Now you're going to get him fired up again. <laughs> um, no, good points, though, for sure. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Weege, is Davey Millsap's name David? Yes, it is. Yeah, I think Oh, because yeah. for the first time How's ever, that? I noticed on the result sheet it says David Millsaps. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've known him oh. since he was like four. His name's David. Oh, fuck. Michael Cinturillo. Michael. Shit, who knew? Michael right. well, I, hey, got- I need to say something before the podcast is over on the national tracks here before we all lose our jobs. Um, because uh, as soon as this thing is published, people will go on vital and say, Davey Coombs is personally responsible for Villapona struggling for putsifying <laughs> the track. Oh put yeah. Uh, yeah, that doesn't just come from Davey or John Ayers or whoever saying, we want the tracks to be smooth because motocross should not be hard. Um, I'm not saying like, that. I didn't say that. You should put out the dream on calendars of like, this is the most epic ride ever. They showed a grooved and watered, perfectly prepped track. Like, that's yeah. what riders want. That's what they're the asking for. They're trying to yeah. yeah, they're trying to give a perfect, let's groom it, let's water it, let's make the track absolutely epic when they first go out and practice. That's what they're trying to do. So I understand the knee-jerk reaction is going to be, why are they doing this? But it's partially because... That's what every rider would like to ride on. It's just then when you go ride somewhere that isn't, now you're ill-prepared. But, I mean, dude, when 450s first came in, they took a lot of flack from guys saying these tracks are unsafe. You have to shape this different. You have to do this different. It's not safe on these big bikes. So they try to do all those things right, and then now they're going to they're gonna look bad. But there's, there's a reason for why they prep the tracks as good as they do, well, uh, and no, it's not look, because I- they aren't tough. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it hurts you when you go to someplace where they don't prep the tracks. That's all. No, no, I agree. Yeah. I think we just need to explain why it is that way because they're going to take a ton of heat like has happened in the nations here the last two years. But partially the reason those tracks are so good is because that, that is what well, the riders want. That's what any rider would want. Who would rather race a beat-the-crap track versus a perfectly prepped track? 
Oh yeah, so, no. I mean, like Coppins yeah. was laughing at me because he's. And then the next morning, I watched because there was bumps and ruts everywhere, and they watered it in the morning. And there was now there were puddles gathered inside these massive ruts, puddles. And I'm like, wow, okay, all right. That's just how they yeah, prep it. it, it yeah. It's exactly what I'm talking about. Like they're trying to, they're asking the riders what they want. This is what they want. This is what they give them. And the GPs, I think, has been fairly well documented. It doesn't seem like the riders have much of a say in almost anything. Um, yeah. So that's what you get. But, yeah, in these circumstances, it works out great. Well, I mean, how is he going to expect to win when he's dealing with evil forces? Evil. Yeah. Or evil. <laughs> I mean, just wait till I'm proven right. We'll look back on this as, as evidence. But uh, that, is, uh, that video, it was almost unbearable to watch him kicking the bike. <laughs> almost unbearable. Iser, it wasn't genocide. I mean, calm down. It wasn't some sort of puppy mill. Well, actually, puppy mill would get Weege very excited. Okay, it's, it was moto evil. Let's keep it in perspective. It was, it was just, don't you put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. I don't think that that video did nothing for me besides the guy kicking his bike over. But, hey, whatever. I'm not American, so. <laughs> um, we did, like, slow-mo grainy footage of the kicking the bike and then, like, uh, and then, like, sad music like they had for, like, please donate to the ASPCA now. Right, right. Then that's the eyes. I'm sorry. So sorry. Yeah. Sarah McLaughlin singing in the background. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's <that's> it. <laughs> Uh, all right, everybody. BTOsports.com, Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. David Iser of DMXS Radio. Uh, thanks for coming on, David. Appreciate it. Um, I can't thank you guys for this opportunity. I <laughs> you can't thank, can't thank us. And Jason Thomas and Jason Wagan, of course. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Daytona coming up this weekend. I can't wait for uh, the wrap up podcast for that, where I will complain about Daytona uh, in numerous ways once again. And uh, I'll bring up my usual yearly trashing of Daytona. So. Thanks, guys. See you guys in a couple days. See you. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbic is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of 
the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The Dogger Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, didn't anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pitch and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The